You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels podcast. Uh, this is our, I guess this is our 11th episode of season three for the episodes Ghosts of Geonosis part one and two. Uh, it's going to start getting confusing next week because next week it's going to be like it's the 13th episode, but it'll only be our 12th episode for the season. So I don't know. I, I'll figure this all out later. That's not what you guys came for. That's all just like, you know, behind closed doors. We figure out how the hell we number the episodes. Uh, you're here to listen to me and Matt talk about Star Wars Rebels, me being Michael Cohen, your host, every week. Uh, but I... Uh, the intro is all weird this week, and and the intro is all weird this week because uh, Matt's not here. Uh, he's uh, he's he's busy with family stuff. Um, so in his stead, I I I thought I would get you guys a good replacement. Um, so I asked Steve Glosson, but he was busy. I uh, and then I was like, okay, well if he can't do it, then maybe I'll ask Joe Hogan, but but he's got other stuff to do. Uh, so I was like, okay, we're kind of scraping the bottle of the bar- bottom of the barrel, but I guess we could ask Kyle from Star Wars: The Saga Continues. And I went down my whole Rolodex, and uh, and unfortunately, you guys are left with Carl Leclerc from uh, the Wampas Lair. So say hi, Carl. Wow. <laughs> That's the worst intro I've ever gotten on a show. No, in in all seriousness, uh, I've been trying to get Carl on the Rebels podcast. I think I think you and Jason may have been on one of our prologue episodes before Rebels premiered. Okay, J- I know Jason's been on, so it's probably yeah. Jason. Jason's been on a couple times, but yeah, I've been trying to get you on an episode for uh, two years, I guess. <clears throat> or thereabouts, and uh, and our schedules just never matched up. So finally, you're here, and I'm Let's excited. Say, I'm excited. If you go to Kyle Avery before me. I figure <laughs> your your understanding of Star Wars hosts is is because <laughs> between you and Kyle, I would assume every episode would be like six hours. Uh, it, oh, you know, you and, guys could talk to a tree. And 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 between Kyle and myself, it would be 
it would actually you could probably double the six hours to 12 because uh we never agree on anything so so it would be like it would be like the episode is ghost of geonosis part one and two and kyle would be like actually uh on imdb it's only labeled as one episode and i'm like kyle kyle we gotta get through this man uh no we kid kyle is great uh kyle is tall uh kyle just got engaged uh those are descriptors for kyle uh, <laughs> obviously he's one of like you know he's he's on the network with uh, Star Wars the Saga continues so I must have some sort of faith in the guy uh, uh, either that or I just really like Tim and I don't care who his co-host is uh, <laughs> no Tim and Kyle have been with, with me since like the early days of Frontlines since uh, since way back in the day so uh, but no I've been wanting to get you on on Rebels to talk about Star Wars Rebels forever because uh, you and I we don't uh, we don't talk enough that's yeah we don't um, and I I, I blame uh, I blame Donald Trump for that I so. blame Donald Trump as well yeah, um, I'm gonna blame for everything for the next yeah. week yeah you know what's Unless really something cool good happens and I'll say thank you Senator Sanders yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, people on the other side of the aisle have been they with their they're sincerely saying thanks Obama for the last uh, eight years, and uh, you know, God willing, for the next only for the next four years, we'll be able to th- say uh, yeah, thanks Trump. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, we, could, and, we could actually say thanks to Obama because he actually did stuff. That's good true. stuff. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't say this stuff on my show because. I know I'd lose listeners, but I'll, I'm taking that risk here. <laughs> I I don't know. I honestly don't know what our what our listener makeup is like in that regard. I just know I know where they stand on Star Wars politics. Like I know I know if they're like pro rebel or pro empire, and and uh, and uh, you know if they're pro prequel or pro uh, uh, sequel or pro classic. You know, but uh, I don't I don't know where everybody else is on the Let's, spectrum, but. <laughs> politics of, of, of value at the end of the day yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, really, I don't really care if you if you like or dislike any political figure just give me a good cup of blue milk and we can talk star wars and we'll be friends yeah yeah exactly that's the thing is like star wars is the great equalizer right like like Absolutely. It, it doesn't matter what your political leanings are i everybody can sit down and talk star wars unless unless you're one of those people who's never seen it in which case um we just round them all up put them on a spaceship and shoot them at the moon right that's yeah i mean they probably voted for jill stein or some third party <laughs> anyway, so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> cool all right so let's uh we got some news to talk about actually a pretty big news to talk about so let's just we're gonna jump into the news and uh, and talk about that now, here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. Okay, so I uh, really just one news story worth talking about um, in the new year, and that is the uh, the the second half of season three. So, like season three B, we'll call it the trailer for season three B, which contains a lot of great new footage a lot of really cool stuff um but is punctuated right there at the end with the thing that uh, that i think we've all been waiting for so let's save that for the end let's talk about everything else that's in the trailer that that was kind of interesting um and we'll get to the we'll get to the meaty part right at the end there but um uh carl what what do you think how, how do you feel about the, the second half of season three are you excited by this trailer 
I am. I'm, I'm excited. The thing, um, this is the, the, the issue I have with Rebels, and, and it's not like, this is not to like put Rebels down, because yeah. I absolutely love Rebels. Um, the, the, I think the unfortunate condition they've gotten themselves into is, um, for instance, we, if we just wanted to tell the story of Kanan, Ezra, and the, the ghost crew, Mm-hmm. Without kind of bringing in folks like Vader or Tarkin or Darth Maul, yeah, you know that that big overarching story, um, you know, it, it could, you know, Rebels could go for a lot of time, mm-hmm. but the fact that we know Vader is aware of them and Tarkin and now Darth Maul is in the mix, it can't go on forever, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, a lot of those, like a lot of the the back half here of of the first half of season three. They were they were fine, fun episodes. But, you know, with the way season two ended and season three picked up, you know, kind of these big, meaty, overarching yeah. stories. I want to sink my teeth into that. Some of these, you know, quote unquote filler <laughs> episodes kind of lose their value in light of that, which isn't to like belittle those episodes because they're still fun. Like they're really good Star Wars. It's a really good Star Wars product. Yeah. But I think at least for me, I'm always just a little disappointed when it's just like a kind of a random episode where they just are like, you know, stealing some supplies for chopper base. It's like, where's yeah. Darth Maul? Where's Vader on this? Right. Like um, you, but you can't have them every episode either. Um, but, you know, that's what, so I think, think this this trailer is showing us we're going to see a lot of really cool stuff again mm-hmm. but i think a lot of the really great stuff we saw in this trailer is going to be on the back end of the season yeah i think so too um you know the 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 major highlights there's there's a bit of the sagarera stuff which obviously we're going to talk about tonight um and then there's uh, <laughs> actually quite a bit of footage from the episode that's going to air next week uh, Warhead, where which is just about some recon droid that finds their base, um, but then I uh, I I think really the meat of the trailer actually revolves around um, the the uh, the Mandalorian stuff that's coming up, and I really hope that that is a multi episode story. I really hope that that's not just a one and done situation um, with Sabine and. And uh, Ren, House Ren, and and Clan Vizsla, and all that sort of stuff with the with the dark saber and and whatnot. I, I really hope that that's going to play out over at least two, if not three, episodes. Um, the funny thing is that when you think back to Clone Wars, when we would get a trailer like this, we would see, um, you know, snippets of of all sorts of stuff that's coming up. And you would go, okay, well, like that's from one arc, so that's like three or four episodes worth of stuff, and that's from another arc, so that's another three or four episodes worth of stuff, and and so you could co- sort of look at it and go, there's actually a lot here. Um, we have about about ten episodes left in the season. I think it's a twenty-two episode season this year, um, and and the content that we've seen might actually only be from about four or five episodes, which means that I think more than likely there are four or five other episodes in there that are going to be a little bit of a a dull dud, uh, including next week's episode. I think next week's episode is going to have some neat stuff in it, but it's really not going to further the plot very much. Um, It's not going to move them uh, uh, very far along. Um, And to be perfectly honest... Uh, this week's two episodes didn't move the plot very far along. Um, we've actually got a mailbag that we'll talk about at the end of the episode about that. Um, but but in terms of 
of what's coming down the pipe. Like what we saw in the trailer looks really good, but um, we said the same thing last year and we said sort of the same thing every year about all these shows, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels alike, uh, that these trailers come out and um, especially like, you know, they'll give us a trailer at Star Wars Celebration and it, and uh, it looks really exciting and we all get really psyched and it turns out that the majority of the trailer, the footage in that trailer is from the one hour premiere uh, that has Darth Vader in it, you know, like, and, and, or, or on the back end of the season from the one hour finale that has Darth Vader in it. Right. So it's like, oh, well, that's really exciting. But, um, but what, what are we going to do the rest of the time? Right. And, and this season in particular, it's turned out that the rest of the time we're going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and nothing's really going to happen. Um, and I feel like, I feel like the difference here between Clone Wars and rebels is not a difference of show quality but a difference in lucasfilm's makeup uh Mm. when clone wars was running that was the flagship star wars product at the time there was nothing else going on right like like if you think back to the era the 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 six years that clone wars ran um if we include the the lost episodes the lost missions uh you're talking about you know, we're post Revenge of the Sith. Uh, the sequels are not even a concept that anybody, you know, gives any weight to. Um, the only other thing that I can think of that really came out in that time that was a big deal was the Force Unleashed and the Force Unleashed Two. Like that, that's really it, right? The other than that, like Clone Wars was the marquee Star Wars property at the time. So. They were allowed to do whatever they wanted. The other thing being that they were they were in an era where Star Wars was finite, right? It was six movies, and they were playing in between two and three. And they were saying that these stories are the definitive canon for what happens between two and three. So they were able to do things uh, and go in directions like bringing back Darth Maul that really, really made that show worthwhile. Um, Rebels, unfortunately, is in this weird territory where it's like, well, we're kind of making movies alongside it, so nothing that great can actually happen. Uh, you're kind of you're kind of hamstrung, where like, you know, a character from from Rogue One can show up, but that's not really going to affect the storyline too much because all we're really going to do like it's it it might tie into rogue one really well but it's not really affecting the rebels like our characters right our characters are going on a detour to meet a character from rogue one so they're sort of writing around those things but then capping each season with something interesting like i said darth vader at the beginning and end of season two and darth maul being near the beginning of this season and then you know midway and now quite obviously at the end um so i don't know i I just think that like they're they're very different beasts so when we look at this trailer you're looking at um some cool stuff but that cool stuff i think is going to be peppered in amongst if if the first half of this season is any indication are going to be peppered in amongst um filler episodes which like the whole first half of this season with the exception of the darth maul stuff and the season premiere has felt like filler episodes you know um even compared to last season season two we had a lot of great stuff go on 
uh, and there was a lot of filler as well. But um, I don't know. I wish that they would go back to thirteen episodes, like they did in the first. Or I think it was sixteen episodes in the first season. Um, the twenty-two episodes really like they got to stretch everything out so much. Um, but they're the the thing is like they're not making the mini movies that they made with Clone Wars, right? They're making episodic tv and that's really i think that's really hard with star wars i think when you only have 22 minutes to deal with it's really hard to tell a complete concise story that actually means anything so they kind of take the actual let's call it like mini movie that they want to make and they spread it out throughout the season you know either in season two capping it at the front and back of the season or this season with with darth maul and his storyline has sort of been been just sort of like piecemealed out to us um which isn't really making any logical sense but um so i went off on a whole thing there uh but talking about darth maul that kind of brings us to the end of it um regardless of anything else that happens this season i i season three is going to be my favorite season of star wars rebels because i i well the 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 season's going to cap with uh, the greatest possible story that they could tell on this show, and that's the return of Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, and I'm excited. Are you excited? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's great that we're gonna get old Ben. Um, I'm, you know, I'm also just a little bit wary though. Um, mm-hmm. and what I'm wary of is how you know what happened with Ahsoka at the end of, of season two. We don't yeah. know exactly what happened to Ahsoka. I do not repeat. Do not want that with Darth Maul. He's yeah. been around too long. It's yeah. time for him to die. Yeah. You know. I mean, bringing him back was. I never liked it for the longest time. I f- finally like. It doesn't matter what I think anyway. I mean, they did it. Uh, <laughs> I came around because it's like, okay, these story arcs with him are so powerful. And we did get to see one of the coolest fights with, Mm -hmm. you know, Savage, Maul and and Sidious. Um, And it definitely worked. They made it work for as silly as it was to bring him back. Um, But now to have him kicking around in Rebels 2, it's like, all right, it's very clear what he's after. He wants to kill Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. And (laughs) he, he has to fail. Obi, well, obviously he will in some way because Obi Wan's not going to die, um, but it, it has to be very clear that Ben kills him, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think we'll get that. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think it'll be really great to see that. Um, but it's something I I I'm curious what you think about this. But I think it's important that the the crew of the Ghost does not have an interaction with Ben Kenobi. Mm. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's it's really important. <laughs> that the rebellion does not come to his attention until Luke. I mean, he's aware of it, right? Like he knows it's going on, but his mission, his purpose in life is Luke Skywalker. I mean, and that's, that's the type of character Obi-Wan is. I mean, that's his conviction at the end of episode three is I will watch out for him. And that's, that's his story, right? So like whenever people are like, well, he could leave for a minute, right? Like he could go somewhere, have an adventure. No, that is not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be faithful to that promise. Just like he was to Qui-Gon's, right? Like he's always been very faithful to what he promises. That's who, who he is as a character. Yeah. And I think it's just really important that the crew of the ghost doesn't just show up and like have this powerful interaction with him. And then he just decides to stay. I mean, I think, it makes him more compelling to just kind of have all of that on like out of his picture. Like his picture is Luke Skywalker and what sets that into motion is Luke coming to him with the message from Leia. That's what sets him in motion. 
I think it's so important that the ghost crew doesn't interact with them. That being said, maybe they can make it happen and make it work well, but I don't want to see that. Um, But so one, do you want to see that? And two, um, you know, do you think because if if they don't, right, like if the ghost crew is not part of that episode, will they do an episode of Rebels where potentially they're not in it? Now, granted, I don't think it would be a standalone Obi-Wan episode. Like, I Mm -hmm. bet you it could be like two stories running parallel. But I I do that. I think that you're on the right track. I think that whatever brings Darth Maul to, I mean, we know what brings Darth Maul to, to Tatooine, but w- when Darth Maul comes, he's going to bring something else with him. He won't be alone, I don't think. Um, and I think that it will involve Luke in, in some sort of a tertiary way. I don't know that we will see Luke. I think I'd probably rather not see Luke. Um, I don't. I certainly don't want Ezra and Luke to interact. I think that that would be the worst possible thing that they could do. Um, but it seems like the most, most natural thing for them to decide to do. Um, but I do think, I think that they, because that's sort of, that's Ezra's through line, right? That's what he was looking for in the holocrons was, was the way to restore balance to the force and defeat the Sith. And, and we know that that is Luke, right? Um, Right. Well, it's funny because in that vision he has, he yeah. sees twin sons, which of yes. course also tattooing, but I think also important. Twin it's, all, it's also the twins. twins. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I do think, I do think that they having two storylines run at the same time where Maul is aware of Luke. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it, this might also explain why there's a gap between Maul discovering that Obi-Wan is on Tatooine. And 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 when he actually takes action um, is that he might be gathering information. He might be sort of trying to figure out what's going on, what Obi-Wan is doing in seclusion on Tatooine. And so he's kind of putting that together and decides. And when he realizes if he realizes who Luke is or if if he just realizes that, that Luke is powerful, that he he has his mission to go after Obi-Wan. But maybe he has, maybe he hires some bounty hunters, or maybe he gets some more Mandalorians, or maybe he builds some droids, or who knows, right? But something to go after Luke, and that would be the other storyline that has Kanan and Ezra and all of them sort of uh, protecting him. And the only interaction that I could see with Obi-Wan is a situation where Obi-Wan tells them, like, you have to protect Luke, but you can't. You can't let him know that you're doing it, right? Like it has to be in secret, sort of thing. So it's sort of some contrivance so that whatever happens is something that Luke never finds out about and never knows about. Um, the other thing that I would like to see is Kanan and Obi Wan having a conversation about uh, unruly apprentices, um, <laughs> and and Obi Wan sort of giving him the warning of like watch out because the path that your Padawan is on is is a dangerous one, I know from experience, right? Um, and sort of giving giving Kanan a little bit of a nudge that, like, that Ezra, whatever is inside Ezra is still there, and, you know, whatever led him to, to sort of um, trust Maul in the first place. 
I it could still be a problem in the future because I really feel like that's an unfulfilled promise. Um, we've sort of gotten indicators from even as back far far back as season one that Ezra has sort of a leaning towards the dark side. Um, but then we came back this season and with the exception of the first episode, I uh, it's kind of been like like oh Ezra's fine now. Kanan Kanan went out and he talked to the the Bendu and got his head on straight and so now Ezra is fine because Kanan is making sure that Ezra is fine and it's like well Yoda was pretty adamant that once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny so I would like to see maybe a little bit more repercussions on the side of Ezra for some of the decisions that he's made but at the same time neither one of them are real Jedi well uh, Kanan, I guess you can make the argument, but Ezra is not a real Jedi, so um, the rules could possibly bend for him in the same way that they've bent for Ahsoka. So uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll be interesting to see how how much it ties into to Obi Wan's story um, and whether or not. Obi-Wan will only be in like the last 15 minutes of the last episode of the season, right? Because that's the other thing that I could see them doing is that, you know, they're trying to stop Maul before he gets there. They don't. And then Maul and Obi-Wan have their confrontation. And and, uh, I'm with you. Maul's story has to come to an end before Luke's can begin. Um, There's no way that we can have an errant Sith running around in the galaxy anymore once we get into sort of that rogue one a new hope territory it, it has to be dealt with there needs to be some closure on that you know mm-hmm. um, yeah because i think i think with ahsoka's storyline there's not closure there but i think her storyline is very similar to obi-wan's storyline uh as it ends in a new hope and continues in empire and jedi uh, i i don't think that ahsoka's physical body is still around but i do think that she still exists um but we've talked about that lots on Rebels, so I, I we don't need to get into all my theories on that right now. But but I, I do think that, that Maul definitely has to... That story needs closure. I, Obi-Wan's story needs closure. That, that saga from The Phantom Menace up until uh, A New Hope, we thought it was complete, and then we got The Clone Wars, in which uh, we discovered... That uh, you know, he had this whole other life that we didn't know about, and uh, and Darth Maul was a very big part of that. Um, so I, I really think that we need closure on that storyline on Maul killing Satine and and all that sort of thing. So so hopefully we're gonna get it. But uh, anything else to say about the trailer before we jump into the recap? Uh, no, I mean, um, it's nice to see Thrawn in there again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that he's, shot of him with with the the sleeveless thing when he's like practicing his yeah. karate chops or whatever. I was like, oh, this is a side of Thrawn that I don't think we've ever been privy to before. I'm really yeah, excited no, to I mean, see that. Yeah. So, and he's one character that I think has been underused. Um, Absolutely. Maybe that's because they don't want him to be cat and mouse the whole time, right? I mean, how yeah. good can you be if you're always letting them get away? But it seems like every time they get away, he's in control of that, though. Like, let them go. Well, you know. It's like he's building to something bigger, and I think he's been he's been underutilized, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to see more of him. And it was so cool to see those Death Troopers in that one scene with him. Yeah, 
which makes me curious because I remember some of the early advertisements for Rogue One as the Death Troopers were Krennic soldiers. So what the hell are they doing with them? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Well, and then towards the end of the promotional uh, sort of cycle for Rogue One, it was being sort of talked about that they're they're the AR their their official name is is their ARD troopers, the Advanced Research Division troopers. So why would they be with Thrawn? But um, you know, there's time for them to explain that. So. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he maybe it's because they want it because they look cool. <laughs> it's probably just because they look cool. But maybe he he has some sort of an experimental weapon on his Star Destroyer. Right. Because we know that like he has his own unique Star Destroyer with that that serpent design on the underside of it. Right. So um, maybe 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 they get a, a, a set of new TIE fighters or well, actually, I should. We know that already. That That's the perfect. We know that the, the TIE. Um, the Thai defenders are are coming. That that's a part. That was that was one of the last storylines that we got before the break on the holidays. Was the 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 thing of the with the Thai defenders, the 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 shielded uh, Thai fighters. So um, if if Tar if Thrawn is is putting these new ships through their paces, it would make sense that may, maybe we'll even see Krennic, right? Um, it's entirely possible that Krennic could show up and be like, "We have these new Tie Fighters that uh, that we're testing, that you know that that if they're successful, we'll be putting on our new battle station or something like that, you know." So who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll see. I'm sure Pablo wouldn't let them use those troopers if it wasn't if it didn't make sense. So I trust Pablo. I, I don't necessarily trust uh, the writers or, or even some of the producers or, or directors, but, uh, but I trust Pablo a hundred percent. I, I, he, 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 he's never steered us wrong thus far. And, and he's, he's doing a pretty good job of all that stuff that shows up in, in rogue one. That's from star Wars rebels. I, I, I blame Pablo for every single bit of that. So he's the one who's going like, yeah, you can put the ghosts there, you know, uh, so, so I, 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 I maintain that, that, that it'll be all right, but, uh, uh, we ready to jump in the recap? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You're in the wrong place. This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the rebels recap. Welcome home. Yeah. Okay, here we go uh, with the recap. This is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a bit of a long one, but we're going to do our best to to try and get through it real quick because it's actually a two-part episode. Um, so uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, as the Lothal rebels and Rex travel through hyperspace on the ghost, Ezra is curious about their new mission. Chopper plays a hologram correspondence with Senator Bail Organa and Commander Jun Sato. He tells them that their mission is urgent and that Rebel Command received a report on the apparent disappearance of the Geonosian species. When Ezra asks if they came looking for the Geonosians, Organa explains that they are going after the team that was sent in to find them. Uh, they lost contact with the team after they had reported sighting an energy source but Hera remarks that her team saw nothing suspicious during their last trip to Geonosis. Senator Organa tasks them with recovering the team and any data they had collected. When Hera asks what they are looking for, 
Rex reveals that they're looking for Saw Gerrera. So uh, this episode is um, the connective tissue between the prequel trilogy and Rogue One. That's the whole purpose of this episode is to explore the idea of how the Death Star went from the Geonosians building it to what we see in Rogue One, where there is not a Geonosian in sight, which I think was actually a, a, an oversight and a mistake, if you ask me. I think that well, there should have been um, a, a Geonosian in Rogue One, but but uh, if if you did you Catalyst, I didn't read Catalyst. No, I I, okay. I started oh, the audiobook, but I didn't make it all the way through, so I'm only yeah, like two chapters in. It, yeah, it's not. It definitely wasn't my favorite Star Wars book because it's very. I don't know. It's 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 very much like exposition. The whole yeah. novel, you know. Yeah. There's very little action. There's, but it's it is amazing. Like it really enhances Rogue One. Um, but something in there is. Uh, I mean, if you want to hear, uh, I don't want to spoil things for anybody, but there the, the Geonosians are touched upon quite a bit in that okay. novel. So that actually does a better job than this episode does of being connective tissue. Um, and there's actually one thing in that novel that is then somewhat uh, like, um, wow, the opposite of which occurs in the episode. Okay. So if I may give a small spoiler. Yeah, yeah, go for it. According to the novel, like Geonosis, right? It's a ring planet. The majority of the ring is gone in Catalyst because they've taken most of the you know, the, the hard materials okay. to build the Death Star, right? Like yeah. they've been actively building it above Geonosis. Um, and uh, the Geonosians are the key workers. Okay, that was a lot of spoilers. I'm sorry. Um, but in that episode, it looks like the ring is just fine. Yeah. I don't know. So, which kind of stinks because like it would have been really cool to see it without it, but maybe they didn't want to do that to, you know, confuse people. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not, you know, not in implying that you have to have read the novel to understand that. Um, but in the novel, it's it, it does, it's not completely gone, but it's severely depleted. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't okay. look to be in the episode. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really cool to see how the Genosians are still, you know, they're still on radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, like the fate of them is definitely not in Catalyst. So we do get that here. Um, we hear a lot of stuff goes down through plays a big part. It's really cool. It's, it's really neat to see like the prequels finally getting the attention and appreciation they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, this, I, I think this episode is really good by giving us, we've got Rex, Bale and Saw all in one episode and yeah. they're on Geonosis. I mean, this is hearkening to the PT without a doubt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. Um, I, one of the things that I like the most about this episode is that it does make the Geonosians um, slightly more sympathetic, and and we got a little bit of that in the Clone Wars because we did get we did get the arc about you know sort of the the, the Geonosian queen um, just sort of protecting the the eggs and that sort of thing. Um, and being the last Geonosian queen and whatnot. But the Geonosians were also painted as sort of monstrous in, in that storyline. So it is cool to get this aspect that they're, A, that they're sent, sentient, you know, that an individual Geonosian is actually worth having a conversation with, which, um, you know, nothing else before has kind of, like, even um, I think Republic Commando sort of paints them as as a little bit more drone-like. Um, the male Geonosians being a little bit more, more um, um, mindless, 
uh, but this sort of recasts them as as individuals and as sentient beings, um, which I like because one of my favorite things that the Clone Wars does, and one of my favorite things about the the Clone Wars conflict, is that you know it's it's in that the the opening crawl for Revenge of the Sith. There are heroes on both sides, and the Geonosians are not necessarily evil. Um, they don't understand that they're working with a Sith Lord. They're working with Count Dooku, a very respected, uh, very rich former Jedi. They think they're on, like, a lot of them think they're on the right side. The The Trade Federation and the Techno Union might be, and the Banking Clan might be, you know, like, they're out for profit, they're out for, for um, their own self-interest, and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, like, they might not be the best allies, but... But um, we did sort of learn that, that some of the other allies are really just like they don't they're they don't want to be a part of the Republic, but the Republic isn't really letting anybody go. Right. So, you know, I, it, it, it's one of those things where you sort of look at it and you go like, so maybe Poggle the Lesser was a bit of a warmonger because he it was it was good for business. It was good for their manufacturing. But. Were the Geonosians themselves as a species necessarily the bad guys? I don't think so, right? And and so you sort of start to get the story in here that, like, the Geonosians were used by Palpatine during the Clone Wars, and they and they were being used by the Empire afterwards, right? Like, they, they re, they've really been subjugated by the Sith without knowing it. Um, and so it makes them much more sympathetic. And so by the end of this episode, you really want Click Clack to get away and, and <laughs> yeah. to, uh, to, for that egg to be intact so that the Geonosians can have a second chance. Because in the, the world going forward, the galaxy going forward, the Geonosians could actually be an asset to the Rebel Alliance and the New Republic even further on down the line, right? Because... Um, maybe this next queen will be more sympathetic. Maybe because of the actions of Ezra and Kanan and Rex, the, the Geonosians will have a new, um, a new outlook, uh, on, on, you know, their interaction with the outer galaxy and with humans in particular. So you, you never know how that, how that could have, you know, sort of far reaching consequences. Um, and uh, and and it's sort of that thing of like genocide is wrong no matter what it is right no matter what the species are or, or uh, whatever and I like it when Star Wars explores that sort of stuff because it it's um, I think sci- that's what sci-fi and I know that Star Wars isn't strictly sci-fi but it does have sci-fi elements and this is one of those sci-fi elements I I sort of the sci-fi fantasy aspect of being able to um, give you this story from this fantastical perspective that might actually inform some real world decisions that happen in people's brains where um, subconsciously or unconsciously they start to think about uh, their fellow human beings in a different way. And so uh, that's, that's my hope, you know, Um, I, and, and, and I think that that comes across in this storyline, you know, the idea that, that Saw Gerrera is a little bit extreme because he's willing to, at one point, doom an entire species in order to, um, you know, meet his ends so that the, the ends justify the means sort of thing. Um, 
which obviously makes him no better than the Empire, which is what Ezra says to him. So we'll get to all that. Uh, uh, do you have anything else to say before we move on? Get through no. the rest of the recap? Okay, uh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, as the ghost enters Geonosis' orbit, Hera observes that the construction tools <laughs> and debris have disappeared. Sabine is unable to trace the energy source at the coordinates where Commander Sato said they would be. Kanan explains that the Geonosian live underground, so Saw's people might be underground too. Rex briefs the team that Rebel Command reports Saw entered a structure two clicks north of their landing position. When Kanan asks Sabine about the power source, she says that it is nearby but can't pinpoint its exact location due to the sandstorm. Hera gives orders for the team to split up into two groups until they learn more about the power source. She sends Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper along with Rex to check out the source of Saw's last tr- transmission while Zeb and Sabine stay with while Zeb and Sabine stay in case the Empire returns. Uh, I'm just going to continue. Uh, Rex leads Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper into a Geonosian structure. Uh, Rex encounters, uh, sorry, recounts training Saw and his sister Stila during the Clone Wars as part of a, of a plan to train localized militias to fight the Separatists. Stila didn't make it, but Saw carried on, starting his own rebel cell after the Empire took over. Ezra soon finds a formerly sealed passage and believes that Saw's team entered the tunnels that way. He notices that the side passages have been blocked off, and Rex thinks it was deliberate to block the outflow. Ezra finds a helmet which Rex recognizes as belonging to Saw's team. Chopper and Ezra soon stumble on several more helmets. It looks like Saw's team was attacked. The rebels venture deeper into the tunnels and reach a dead end. Just then, several battle droids appear, marching down one of the tunnels. The droids have orders to eliminate intruders and are accompanied by a droidica. A skirmish breaks out, and the droids manage to corner the rebels. However, someone throws a grenade, which takes out most of the battle droids. The rebels' re- uh, rescuer turns out to be Saw Guerrera himself. Saw is amazed to see Jedi, since he believed they perished during the Purge. So here we go. Like this is this is that real connective tissue between the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, right? We get, um, and it's awesome that Rex is around, so that Rex can give the firsthand account, and so that Rex can actually interact with Saw. Um, it's it's funny because you know Rex is one of those characters that like he was. Uh, I, an adult uh, during the Clone Wars, and now he's an old man. Um, and and Saw likewise was was you know he was a fairly young man during the Clone Wars, and now he's substantially older. And to see them sort of see each other after a long time, and sort of have a little bit of that, you know, I I. Uh, you know, kind of like like two guys who played football uh, in college together and haven't seen each other in a long time, like is that same sort of camaraderie um, uh, between you know sort of old war buddies, uh, I, and and I really liked that. I thought that that was really cool because my one of my biggest problems with Rogue One, uh, of which I have several, and I know that I'm I'm pretty alone on a lot of this stuff. But one of my biggest problems is that Saw Gerrera's character in Rogue One resembles his character from the clone wars in name only uh and and it was the sort of thing where where i think you know i i obviously there's a lot of time in between where a character can change drastically but this version of saw in rebels is much closer to the clone wars version that we know uh that that we're familiar with from that um 
but he does he is starting to show signs um of the Sagara from Rogue One. So so I think now having seen this, I can reconcile that a little bit. So I I really need to I, I need to, to to finish Catalyst. Um, because Carl, you are not the first person to tell me like it enhances the movie. So I need to finish Catalyst. Um and then, you know, having seen the this this uh these two episodes of Star Wars Rebels, I think I need to go watch Rogue One again and sort of uh, try and uh, try and enjoy it a little bit more than I did the first two times I saw it, but um, but but I did really like this, and then I liked the fact that it was battle droids, um, and that I, I you know Saw Gerrera uh, was trained by Rex to take out battle droids, so it's funny that he shows up to save Rex from some battle droids. It's sort of a nice it's a nice turnabout, you know. Um, well, what do you think? Um, you know, I, I'm, I hope this is the last time we see battle droids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's weird that they've popped up a couple of times already. Yeah. Um, it's fine, but you know, that is, that's a cool story point that, you know, uh, saw was trained by Rex and, um, now, you know, saw uses what he learned all those years ago. Yeah. Um, I think what's good in this particular part too, is this is also where we get some of that character, that character background, right? So, um, uh, Rex is going to fill Ezra in on who Saw is, right? He was, yeah, he was yeah. a guy that we trained. You know, he was a good person. You know, sadly he lost his sister, and you know, like that has affected him. And now he's now he's part of this rebel cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, when when they do show up, they have like it just made me think of in the movie Predator when uh, <laughs> yes. when Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, I can't remember the other Car- guy's Carl name. Weathers. Carl Weathers just. Like you son of a, you know, they just yeah. like slap hands and it just like zooms in on their like massive biceps. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, just, it just made me think of that. But it's funny because you're right. Like it, there is kind of this, yeah, it's like broish camaraderie there. Yeah, uh, that these guys were their their friendship was forged in a time of war, and and that that made them close. Even all these years later, they yeah. they can still kind of call back on that. Um, but I think right off the bat, the thing about Saw is is, is he's he's just his. He has such a like narrow vision of like what he wants to accomplish. Like he doesn't have any sense of remorse for his team that he's lost. All mm-hmm. he wants to do is find who's responsible for all this and get his, you know, get answers out of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't know that they, I don't know what your opinions are of Rogue One. I mean, I loved it. And uh, um, I tried rewatching the Honor and Arc. I hate that arc, though. So like it's so That's boring fair. to me. That's fair. It, I don't think it's not one of the stronger arcs from, it's from too, Clone Wars. If it was like a two, if it was two episodes, I think mm-hmm. it'd be fine, yeah. but it's too, too many. Um, and so I tried getting through that. I barely paid attention because it's so boring. I was probably yeah. on my phone half of it, but uh, I, I can still kind of see that. Like there is definitely a, a, dis, a, you know, a distance between the saw of Clone Wars and the saw yeah. of Rogue One. Um, but yeah, they think this has definitely done a good job of putting them in the middle because I think it's definitely also though, this is the saw of rogue one. He's paranoid and mm-hmm. he is an extremist. Yeah. Um, and I think we did see some level of extremism though, even in the Onderon arc. So oh, yeah, we, we definitely did. I, I understand how they, when writing the movie, um, and, and when it went to the story group, I understand how they said like, well, why don't we make this character saw Guerrera? I think, I think what what that character ends up becoming in the movie itself 
is a little bit far removed from that original intent. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that that's going to lie mostly with with Forrest Whitaker and Gareth Edwards. That I think that they pushed that character. Um, for my taste, a little bit further than I would have liked. If if it were up to me, I would have, I would have pulled that character back to something a little bit closer to what he is in this episode of Rebels. Um, I will say this though: I was shocked that that was Ferris Whitaker. Though it didn't sound like him to me at all. Oh really? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like I, I definitely I definitely heard it. You know, I, the the voice definitely um, um, reminded me of Ferris Whitaker, but but. I think it. I think what throws it off is that he's trying to play himself younger, right? So I think um, if you kind of go back and you check out some Forrest Whitaker stuff from from when he was a, a younger man, I think that maybe you'd you'd find a little bit more in common with that than maybe with sure. some of his more recent stuff. In particular, his performance in Rogue One. I do think that there's 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 a there's not a lot of time between this episode of Rebels and the events of Star Wars Rogue, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, um, but I think foresaw the character clearly a lot does happen, um, and he comes a long way, uh, and because uh, because when we meet him here, he's still got both of his legs, um, he's breathing fine on his own. Whatever happened to him to make him that that sort of. Um, odd reflection of Darth Vader uh, uh, it hasn't happened yet right and um, and I don't think that we're going to get that on Star Wars Rebels I know that people wanted that but um, I don't think that it's the right It's a, you have to remember that Star Wars Rebels is a kid show um, that's why Ezra is the main character um, for better or worse uh, it, it is definitely aimed at a younger audience um, I wouldn't take young kids to see Rogue One, so I certainly wouldn't tell the story of how one of the darker characters from that movie lost a limb and went a little bit crazy on a kid's show. You know, like that's just not—it's not the right territory for that. Um, It's—it's it's something that I'm sure they'll find another way to tell, probably in a book, um, possibly in a comic. I think—I think, I think they could do that well in a comic book story. Um, but yeah, I, I people who were expecting to see that in this uh, may have been a little bit disappointed by this episode. But uh, but uh, saw himself, I thought was interesting in this, and I think it made him a, a little bit more fleshed out of a character than Rogue One on its own. Which I will say, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole Rogue One thing on this episode. Be- a, because if people want to know what I think about Rogue One, uh, they can pay for it by going to patreon.com slash thunderquack and getting the exclusive episode uh, where Matt and I go into pretty pretty gory detail on what we think of Rogue One, and I kind of give, give some of my thoughts. Um, it's evolved a little bit since then, but one of my biggest problems with Rogue One is that the thing I keep hearing from Star Wars fans is that there's all this supplementary material that enhances the movie, but... I've said this about the prequels and I'll say it about the original trilogy and the sequels as well. And, and, and rogue one is, is a perfect example of this. If it's not on screen, it doesn't count towards how good the movie is. Um, it can enhance your personal viewing of the movie, but from an objective standpoint, if it's not on screen, it's not part of the movie because 
we might check that stuff out, but the average moviegoer doesn't care about the book. They don't care about Star Wars Rebels. They don't care about comic book tie-ins. They don't care about the Burger King toy that gives part of the backstory. You know, like, and and the prequels really suffered from that, and, and I feel like one of the great things that The Force Awakens did is that that movie stands on its own, and it doesn't need the supplementary material. The supplementary material certainly adds to the movie, but it doesn't need that to be great. And I feel like Rogue One kind of needs it in some areas um, in order for some of these characters' motivations to make any sense. But uh, wow. that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say on that. But disagree with you more, but yeah, we okay. get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I, go or, to Swamp if you want to hear why Rogue One is so amazing. <laughs> Okay, I uh, let's see. Is it you? Yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. So Harris sent Zab and Sabine to search for the. Oh no, that's not what we did. Okay, Harris sent Zab and Sabine to search for the power source, where Sabine discovers a deflector shield generator and forms a surprise Terra. The shield generator is military grade and was the source of the power reading. Hera wants it for Chopper and tells the rebels to take it. Back underground, Saw tells the rebels that his team found an operational shield generator. Rex thinks that the battle droids are connected to it. Saw tells them that his comrades were killed by a Geonosian bug and that this bug is the key to finding out why the Empire wiped out the whole population of Geonosis. The Empire is hiding something important and the bug knows what it is. He explains that he has tracked it here and that it is a long way down. Saw was unable to follow the Geonosian across the shaft and does not know how deep the shaft is, but points out that it leads directly to the surface. A shield generator? Separatist model, about as old as you, Rex. But someone's kept it operational, been maintaining it. Battle droids? <laughs> These old clankers, not a chance. The technology's too sophisticated. Besides, by the look of them, someone's been repairing them, too. Well, we were following something, and that's how we wound up in this trap. It was a bug. Had to be. He got my unit using the same tactics. I was the only survivor. Yeah, the more I hear, the more I don't like this. We should go back and report to Hera. Back? No, wait. You can't. That bug is the key to finding out what's going on here. Don't you understand what's at stake? We know the Empire wiped out the entire population of this planet. We need to find out why. The Empire is hiding something, something important, and that bug knows what it is. He's right. I say we help Saw. Hmm. I second that. Okay. We can stay and search for the bug, but we have to warn Hera about the droids first. I can help you with that. This way. So, I... I... I feel like this whole, um... Shield generator thing is just a B-plot for this episode, for these two... So that it's two episodes long instead of being one episode. This is sort of my biggest problem with, with the episode. Is that like... And then suddenly they find a shield generator. And, the, you know, it's, it is, it's connected to the rest of the story. But really all it does is serve to split up the team so that they don't have to have eight characters on screen at one time. You know, and... But, but really... It, it just kind of it just kind of wastes time with Sabine and Zeb, um, right? So they're, they're the pl- they're the filler plot of this episode, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's filler. yet it's it, within this episode that is actually about the larger Star Wars universe. 
Uh, there is a filler episode about the ghost crew finding yet another resource that could help Chopper Base, right? It's like one week it's proton bombs, the next week it's a shield generator. <laughs> next week they'll be going after back to tanks, who knows? <laughs> um, I just feel like they've done this story so many times. And so at least they're sort of hiding it within a more interesting story. But but to me, it's like, why wouldn't you just use that time to flesh out this story a little bit more mm. and sort of add a little bit more nuance and, and interest to this? Um, uh, the other thing that I uh, we'll get to it later, but um, yeah, I, I, we'll get we'll get to it uh, here. I'm going to continue. OK, uh, Kanan realizes that they can contact the ghost using the shaft. Uh, that's an odd sentence. Uh, he, he contacts Hera and tells her that they found Saw, warning that there are operational battle droids on Geonosis. Hera relays the warning to Sabine and Zeb, who are extracting the deflector core from the shield generator. The sandstorm has begun to clear, and Zeb reports that he does not see any battle droids, just a bunch of rocks. Sabine realizes that the rocks are hibernating droidicas. Zeb suggests blasting the tin cans, but Sabine warns that they would only activate more droids. Sabine, when Sabine inquires about the ghost using, uh, using, sorry, using the ghost cannons, Hera replies that the sandstorm has clogged up the barrels. After some discussion, the two agree to push the deflector core back to the ghost carefully. The two navigate their way past the inactive droidicas. So, uh, the cannons are clogged right now. The cannons aren't clogged later. Nobody cleans the cannons. Whatever. It's, it's like it's totally a plot hole thing, but yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I I don't know. That, that, do, is it, do you have anything to say about that? Um, you know, just uh, like Ray Stance asked, does this does this shaft still work? <laughs> yeah, <no> um, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's the um. The, the 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 spot with them starting to push it through is like yeah. to me though that's like very typical Star Wars though it's it's yeah. it's Star Wars suspense yeah and I feel like that as much as like this B plot is kind of unnecessary again like you know you keep reminding us this is a show for kids yeah kids are gonna love that stuff though yeah. right like we look at it and we're like okay this is this is filler but for the kids. They're probably just as invested in that as they are the Saw Gerrera story. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, you know, what? I almost wonder how many of these kids are actually going to see Rogue One, right? Because like you said, I don't know that it's super appropriate for like young, young kids. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think any kid could watch Rebels and be fine. Oh, yeah. Think- like I would say like five years old and up, you are clear. And if you've got a, a, a sophisticated three or four year old, I think that they can handle Star yep. Wars Rebels. It's very yes, people get shot. Yes, things blow up, but it's cartoon violence. It's no worse than any video game. Absolutely. Um, shall I continue? Yeah, go ahead. Back at the shaft, Hera tells her team via the comm to leave before they wake up more battle droids. However, Saw is determined to find out who or what is controlling those droids. The rebels are being watched by an unseen figure on the other side of the shaft. Ezra tells Chopper to use his searchlight to see what is on the other side. They spot a Geonosian who advocates, who activates a droid controller. The droid controller activates the droidicas on the surface, which begin to surround Sabine and Zeb. Uh, I'm just going to continue. Sabine warns Hera, who orders Kanan and his team to return to the ghost. However, Saw convinces the Lothal rebels that it is better to capture the Geonosian, deactivate the droids, and find out what the Empire is hiding on Geonosis. 
uh, first. Kanan consults Hera, and she reluctantly orders them to capture the bug. Using the Force, Kanan helps Ezra to jump across the deep shaft. Chopper follows, using his rocket boosters, and joins the pursuit. On the surface, Sabine and Zeb prepare for a fight with the Droidicas. Hera advises the two rebels to use the deflector core against the droids. Zeb points out that it's disconnected from the power source. Sabine replies that she can tie into the, the, the core's power supply and minimize the field. She manages to activate the deflector core before the droidicas can open, open fire on them, but it won't hold forever. So um, th that one cool thing about this is that, you know, this is very classic Star Wars. Like you said, there was the suspense, but now that sort of the trap has sprung, uh, we get the, the, the great Star Wars storytelling device of, of two separate action sequences at the same time. Right. Um, so we've got sort of the 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 droidicas and the shield generator. And then we've got um, the, the pursuit of the Geonosian underground. So it, uh, the, the, it sort of picks up here for a little bit and is a little bit more. I don't know. Up until this point, it was a little bit of a slow episode. But uh, but this is kind of where it starts to get a little bit exciting. Um, do you want to continue? Yeah. Back underground, Kanan advises Saw and Rex to blast one of the top bridges loose and uses the force to create a new bridge to the other side. Rex and Saw make their way across as it slowly crumbles behind them, and they walk slower than freaking... <laughs> Sorry, I threw that in there. Once on the other side, Kanan uses the force to leap across the, ch the chasm. Saw is impressed, but Rex replies that Kanan is no Skywalker, much to Kanan's chagrin. Meanwhile, Ezra and Chopper have lost the Geonosian in the underground maze. While searching the labyrinth, Ezra tells Chopper to split up so that they can cut off his escape. The Genosian crawls on the, dealing, on the ceiling, confusing his rebel pursuers. Back on the surface, Sabine and Zeb are under siege from the Droidicas. Underground, Ezra uses the Force to sense the Genosian, who is hiding above them. Ezra and Chopper race after the Genosian, but he proves more than a match for them, but is soon cornered by Saw, Rex, and Kanan. Saw shoots the Genosian's remote, deactivating the Droidicas outside. He demands that the Genosian tell them what they were building for the Empire. Um, so this has my favorite moment of the episode in it, I, I, which is kind of a bit of a two-parter. I mean, first of all, when when Kanan is like, he, he just shoots Ezra across it because they do that all the time. They've done it like three times over the series, right? It's sort of their, it's sort of their move where, where they throw each other with the Force. Um, so that's no big deal. But then after that, when Kanan's like, it's okay, I got another way for you guys to get over there. And he just straight up uses the force and he's just like, I'm just going to hold this land bridge, this massive land bridge. And I'm just going to, without eyes, I'm going to direct it into the appropriate place and then you guys can cross. What I don't understand is why he can't, as it crumbles, why he can't hold up the separate pieces. But whatever. <laughs> um, we don't need to get into that. But they make it across, which is a cool moment. Um, and then it's like, well, how's, how's Kanan going to get across? And Kanan just from a standstill leaps across this giant chasm and lands. And it's, and then Rex is like, yeah, he's no Skywalker. And I'm like, Rex, you are losing it in your old age. Anakin never did anything that cool. Like Anakin did some cool stuff, but I don't know that Anakin ever like from a standing position jumped I don't know. I, I don't even know how many feet that would be, but that's like, I would say that's like half a football field, right? That's fair, right? Like, oh, easy. Yeah. And, and he just like, like, eat, like, no problem whatsoever. Just 
whoop, he's just over and he lands and like it doesn't doesn't seem like it was difficult. He just kind of walks past them. And I just thought like this is one of the reasons why Kanan is my favorite character on this show. Even even once he was blinded, in fact, once he was blinded, he seems to have become more powerful after that incident than he was before because um much in the same way that that like obi-wan instructs luke on the millennium falcon uh, to to lower the blast shield because you know don't your eyes can deceive you don't trust them right uh with that in mind like kanan no longer has the use of his vision so he has to rely on the force and i think in relying on the force he's become more connected to it than ever and so he's become even more powerful and more attuned to the Force, to the point that he can do stuff like this without batting an eye. And this is the sort of thing that that I think we would expect to see from from Yoda or Anakin or Obi Wan or Mace Windu, but that uh, a Jedi who didn't complete his training, but you know, like that that was a child during the Purge. Um, it's incredible to think that he's come to this point because I think at the beginning of the series, Kanan wouldn't have been capable of doing that. Um, and even in season two, that's the sort of thing that Kanan and Ezra would have had to do together, right? It's one of those moments that, like, before Kanan became a knight, that he would have been like, we can do this together, right? And they would have, like, both used the Force to sort of focus and hold up that bridge so that the others could get across, and then they would have found another way. Um, but but now, Kanan doesn't care. Like, he's just like, no, the, the Force is the Force. Like, like he understands some of those things that Yoda says in Empire, um, where it's like, none of this matters. None of it. It's like, the Force is more powerful than anything, so... I'll just grab one of those, uh, blast that bridge, and I'll just hold it, and you guys can cross. It's not a big deal. Um, so I just I just like how casual he is about the whole thing. Meanwhile, everybody else is like, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. Uh, so that's just my favorite moment in the two episodes. Um, where are we? You want me to continue? you have anything to say? Uh, let me see. Not really. Not no. yet. Okay. I, 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 I do like the line. Kanan is no Skywalker. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And I do good. Good. He, he whines a lot less. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, that's a, that's a really good point, though, about how casual he is with the force now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he certainly has seemed to have become more powerful. And, you know, something we saw in Rogue One is somebody who's not a Jedi, who mm-hmm. is certainly capable of channeling the force now. I don't know that I don't yeah. think he uses the force, but I think he's used by the force. Yes. And and I think that's enhanced by his own blindness. And yeah. I think we're seeing yeah. something like that with Kanan. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you know, that Absolutely. is neat because I thought Kanan, honestly, I just thought like, OK, he's going to stay here and wait for them. Right. Like maybe help do another land bridge thing for them to come back on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when he leaps over, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't um, see coming. Yeah. Chirrut is kind of the embodiment of of. Uh, when Luke is saying like, uh, so it, so it, it controls my actions and Obi-Wan's like partially, partially, but it also obeys your commands. Right. And so I think Chirrut is the embodiment of like, Chirrut allows the force to work through him. Right. But then here you've got Kanan, the really great foils. And I, this, I didn't think about it until, until you just pointed out that connection between those two characters. And, I, and actually like visually their eyes look the same. Um, 
so I wonder if, if Chirrut lost his, his vision in, in a, in a similar situation. Um, but I, uh, the, the, they're sort of the flip sides of that coin, right? Where Chirrut allows the, the force to, to sort of control his actions and to guide him. And then Kanan sort of, he does that, but then on, on top of that, he also is able to manipulate things to, to an incredible degree. I think, I think in part due to the fact that he has given so much trust over to the force, right? Um, and sort of he's he's leaning so far into it that he's able to call out to it even more so. Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm, I mean, I am in agreeing, agreement with you that Kanan is quickly becoming one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Yes. Uh, if yeah. not favorite Force user. Um, because he is, um, he's kind of like the perfect bridge of of kind of the the secular and the force user yeah yeah for sure um, and i think he's the best embodiment we've had of like a kyle katarin character yes. since katarin right like yeah. that was always my f- favorite thing about kyle katarin was that this was a guy who who used a blaster and a lightsaber and used the force and occasionally would like use dark side powers because he was enhancing the good now granted we're not going to see kanan do that mm-hmm. um we have new canon reasons as to why you wouldn't do that yeah but um I really like how Kanan has he's never anxious really anymore too, right? Like, you know, the the team will always be anxious, but Kanan doesn't seem to have the same level of anxiety. Even down here in this maze. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else like Saw especially, like, it's like, oh, we've got to get this done, right? Like he's so gung ho about this. Ezra's always kind of high energy. Mm-hmm. Kanan is very passive. You yeah. know, which like, you know, that that's there's so much of like Empire Yoda wisdom within Kanan you know of you, you will know when you're calm at peace passive like that's really Kanan's character now yeah um and clearly he's not probably the most powerful like I, I I'm re- just I'm just so curious about what the fate of Kanan's going to be for sure um you know whether it's death or just you know going off into non-existence and oh, you know you mentioned- Kanan's gonna sacrifice himself for the greater good that's gonna happen before the series is over I guarantee it I hope uh, yeah, you know, I give I, you my I, stamp of approval on that one. <laughs> I hope so, not because I want him to die. <laughs> one, because I know he kind of has to. Mm-hmm. The only other way I could see him going is, you know, you mentioned kind of towards the top of the show about if, you know, he were to interact with Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could potentially see Ben kind of saying, like, it's really time for you to recede. Like, you're drawing too much attention. You're actually now mm-hmm. starting to do more harm than good, you know, right? Like, the Empire is aware of a force user in, in the midst of the rebellion. Like you're going to just draw more attention. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's kind of a weak kind of cop out for Kanan, right? Like he's yeah. too cool a character to just kind of like, okay, I'm going to bow out, right? Like, but yeah, I could definitely see him giving himself for like the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, cool. Sorry. To, sa- like, to save Hera for sure. Oh uh, yeah. Because we know she's obviously like Rogue One gave that away. Chopper yep. and Hera are still in the picture. Yeah. As is the ghost. So we yep. know that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, did you notice and I don't think I, I I don't think it's there, but right, like the new Phantom, I don't think is at- attached to the ghost in Rogue One. It, I, it's it's hard to tell. It's sure. really hard to tell what, whether or not it's there. Um because it's only sort of like you only see the full ship from far away. And so, and it's really grainy in any of the f- sort of footage that we can get our hands on right now. When it comes out on Blu-ray, I think we'll have an answer. Um, but yeah, sure. as of right now, it's it's really unclear. But who knows what will happen to the Phantom Two? Uh, it might not last that long. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, the Phantom Two being my favorite ship from Star Wars Rebels, I love that ship. The Phantom. Uh, 
Yeah, the Phantom 2 specifically. Like, the original Phantom I could care less about. But the Phantom 2, which is a, an old uh, Nemoidian shuttle, uh, like... I love. I don't know why. I just love the 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 look of that ship. It just I, there's just something about it that I that really works for me. There's oh. a Lego set coming out this month, later this month, and I cannot wait. I'm gonna get it like day one, as soon as I can, and then I'm gonna pop it right on the back of my my ghost Lego set. <laughs> That's my plan. Uh, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue and let's let's power through uh, a bit more of this because because uh, okay. we're running a bit long. Uh, Saw interrogates the Geonosium about what he was building for the Empire and his role in the death of his team members. Ezra tells Saw to go easy with Kanan, uh, uh, adding that they... Does that make sense? Uh, probably uh, with click-clack. Yeah, I think with click-clack, that they'll all have questions for him. Uh, we, as listeners know, we pull these from Wikipedia and then edit them, and sometimes... Stuff slips through. Uh, the Wikipedia entries are not exactly the best. Uh, when Rex points out that the, that the Geonosian is unarmed, Saw replies not to underestimate these things. Ezra senses that the Geonosian is afraid, and Kanan tells Saw to let Ezra talk to the prisoner. Ezra reassures the Geonosian that he is not here to hurt him. After exchanging pleasantries, Ezra nicknames the Geonosian Click Clack. Thank God, because so, now we don't have to say the Geonosian anymore. Right. You know, I think this is... I think there's a lot more going on underneath the surface in this episode than meets the eye. And what I mean by that is you, know, you made this point earlier about the importance of, you know, like Saw is immediately, he just sees the Geonosians as enemy, period, right? Yeah. There's no, the there's other. no way for him. Yeah. It's the other. And what we're learning here is, you know, this is, and this is something that's going on in history now without going into detail, but even happened not too far long ago in our own history, which was mm -hmm. Japanese internment camps during World War II. Like, we just assumed that every Japanese person was our enemy, even though they were citizens. Like, it was ridiculous. So, like, let's lock them up. Saw is kind of this closed-minded tyrant, in a way, who sees the Geonosians, who were at one time an enemy of the Republic, as his enemy still. Yeah. Like, he is incapable of seeing that this one solitary figure who exists in spite of basically genocide is not their enemy. And I love that it's Kanan. Again, Kanan is the, the voice of calm and the mm -hmm. voice of, of rationality here. And he, Kanan knows that Ezra is capable of speaking to like the other in a way, right? Like yeah. when Ezra speaks to the space whales, um, you know, like Kanan is well aware of Ezra's gifts with the force. And like this is also what makes Kanan such a great teacher is yeah. he encourages Ezra to use his special gifts in the force, which is what Ezra does here. And Ezra is a very sympathetic character. Um, he's also not tainted in the way Saw is. But even Rex here, like Rex fought the Genosians like he yeah. was there in the Clone War front lines. And even he is capable of seeing that this is like this is just one scared, solitary creature. Yeah. Where Saw is he saw is the tyrant. Saw is the saw saw is the terrorist in a, in a way. Well, yeah, and and saw I think, and this is one of the things that doesn't come across in Rogue One, and I got to imagine that it was there in one of the drafts or maybe in deleted scenes, but Saw Gerrera is the rebels, the Rebel Alliance's version of Darth Vader. Like that's sort of what he's supposed to be coming across as, right? He goes in and like he gets the job done. Like he doesn't care. He will kill uh, anyone in order to, to do what needs to be done. And Vader is the same way. Vader will kill his own men if they don't live up to his expectation. And I feel like Saw Gerrera 
is a character that that's similar. Like he's a foil, so he's not an exact right. uh, a mirror image of Darth Vader. But but when we see him in Rogue One with the missing leg and the 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 breathing mask and all of that sort of thing, well, and that's um, it, it's a very clear connection to Darth Vader as a character, right? Right. So, a, so I think that that totalitarian aspect of the character is very similar to things that we saw in Anakin in the in the prequels and in Clone Wars, um, and obviously that we see in Darth Vader in the original yeah. trilogy. So, well, that's one thing I, I think was amazing with Rogue One is the the one brief little sound effect there when as or when um, Saw pulls the mask away and it sounds so much like Vader's mask. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But. Real quick, it's I think it's worth mentioning too. Again, about kind of Ezra's qualities of of in a way like I mean, obviously this is using human language, but he humanizes the Genos and by naming him, right? Yes. Like it's not just it's not just a creature anymore. It hasn't he has a name, right? Yeah. Like person. So that's something that Saw would certainly never do. Yeah. Um. So I like that. Like uh, Ezra is trying to you know bridge that divide. He is he is welcoming the stranger. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I really like the aspect that Rex is a much more calm and rational and reasonable um, soldier than Saw. And so you see that like he sees weakness and instead of taking advantage of that weakness, he shows mercy. And I think that that's a that's a quality that's in Captain Rex that um, that some of the other clones might not have necessarily had. And that makes him uniquely Captain Rex. Um, sure. We saw we saw that when we saw Wolf and um, um, Gregor, right? The, like the three of them had very different personalities, and one thing that makes Captain Rex Captain Rex is that he was influenced by three Jedi specifically: Obi Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Ahsoka Tano. And one of the things that I think he got from Obi Wan and Ahsoka specifically was compassion, right? Um, and uh, and this idea that that you know. Um, fighting isn't always the best way to solve your problems it's not always the the way out um and that definitely comes from obi-wan i think that's definitely definitely an influence of obi-wan kenobi's character on captain rex the idea that you can negotiate your way out of a situation or that you know um enemies aren't necessarily always enemies just because they're different right um that uh, that that you can find common ground and all that sort of thing so having rex um beyond the side of of uh Kanan and Ezra in this situation I think was a smart choice for them because it really adds dimension to his character that uh, that's always been there but sort of it highlights it a little bit for those of us who care um Clone Wars fans in particular right uh but here I I go ahead you continue we'll we'll sure. get through this next part Ezra convinces Click Clack to come out of his hiding spot and tell them what the Empire was doing on Geonosis. Unable to speak Galactic Basic, Click Clack draws two circles on the ground. Saw doesn't know what, what it means, but Ezra explains that Chopper has picked up an energy reading earlier. Saw thinks it is another trap, but Kanan suggests that Click Clack has the answers they are looking for. Not trusting Click Clack, Saw handcuffs the Geonosian, dropping a small device, which Ezra picks up and activates. It's a hologram of Stila. Ezra returns the object to Saw, who tells him that it's all he has left of his late sister. Rex explains that Saw lost his sister during the Clone Wars to a separatist gum ship that had been created by the Geonosians. So, again, we get a little bit of the, the humanizing of, of Saw's um, story, right? And sort of understanding where he comes from in this. So Right. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that's important to point out, though, is 
So it, you're right. Like we want to, it makes very clear sense of like why saw is the way he is. Like he yeah. lost sister who, if you know, as much as I don't enjoy the Andran arc, but it's very clear in that, like that arc, how, how much he adores his sister. And she was a stabilizing force for him. She was what Absolutely. kept him in check. So without her, he's sort of run rampant and, and sort of, he's drinking his own Kool-Aid for the last yeah. 20 years. Right. Yeah. But you know, again, I think, I don't like Saw. I hate him in Rogue One, and I hate him in this. And I and I and I want to. I think you should. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is Saw's kind of rationale for why it's okay to still act this way is, well, my sister was killed by a gunship created by these people. How juvenile is that line of thinking, right? Like, that's just like that's ridiculous. Like this group of people was in some way responsible for this, so therefore they're all horrible. Like that is that's a child. That's a child dealing with the world. Um, and saw while he is like a soldier and a man, he has the most childish sense of morality. Yeah. Um, and I, and that, and for that reason, I can't stand his character. And I think that's good. Like that, I think that's supposed to be who his character is. I think if you love yes. Saw, you should examine, you should <laughs> examine like your, your rationale behind yeah. war because Saw is an extremist. He's scary. And his sense of morality is, is about that of a four or five year olds, you know, like you took my toy, so I'm going to take yours back. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it needs. You're right. Like that's, that is like eye for an eye sort of lack, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. It's such a lack of personal growth and yeah. saw has not grown as a person in a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's definitely, a, a, uh, his character is dynamic. It's not stagnant by any means, but he sort of develops in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. uh, in, in more of an inward way. And I, again, like, there are parallels here to, to Anakin Skywalker and to, to Darth Vader. Um, they're very similar characters. Uh, if Saw had the kind of power that Darth Vader has, you can, you know, you can bet he would be out there exacting the kind of vengeance that Vader does. And I like that is Anakin's greatest downfall is the amount of power that he wields. Um, because when that power meets the the flawed morality that he has from growing up as a slave and uh, and being sort of thrust into the Jedi Order. Um, by the way, this is a real quick plug. Anakin and Obi-Wan Volume 1, you can pick up that the trade paperback for that. If you are a fan of the prequels, if you're a fan of Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you liked the Clone Wars, get that book. It's so good. It is so good. And if you're a fan of the Darth Vader comic book series, you need to read Anakin and Obi-Wan because Anakin's character is explored. It's it's pre-episode two. It's actually like sort of in the midpoint between episode one and episode two. Anakin's still fairly young. And, uh, and his character is explored in ways that no other story has done it that I've, that I've experienced at least. And it adds so much depth to who he is and, uh, and, and his training and Obi-Wan's conflict with that training, all that sort of stuff. It's a great, great comic. Uh, it is probably one of the best ones that, uh, that Marvel has put out since they've been doing star Wars comics. So that's a really quick plug, go read it. And then, come back and listen to this episode again because the stuff that I'm saying about Saw is very similar to stuff that, that mm-hmm. ties into that Anakin storyline. So it's pro- I'm probably being informed a little bit by that right now because I just read that this week. Um, it's so, so good. 
so good. I can't endorse it enough. And I hope I don't. I haven't checked to see whether or not it's ongoing and there's a volume two coming. But I hope that there is because it's so good. Uh, yeah, I, that, I, I'll back you on that because I've I've really fallen out of Marvel. But that is one I read that entire series as it came out and I loved it. So good. Uh, so, so it's. Good. I think it's head and shoulders above anything else that's come out of Marvel in a while for Star Wars. I think so too. I think uh, so too. Yeah, yeah, it does a great job of developing developing those characters. I would put like that and Lando sort of at the top of the pile because Lando tells a story. Have you read Lando? Uh, I started it, stopped caring. Really? So. Lando <laughs> tells a story. It tells the story of Lobot. It's really not about Lando. It's about Lobot. And I, it, I, it made me care about a character that I previously kind of hated because he's just this creepy robot man anyways we don't need to get into all that that this is like an episode of thunder quack podcast we'll we'll i'll you know we we should do that you and i should have a marvel star wars chat because i think we're on the same page um real quick though i want to just just jump back to one thing about saw is we can assume that where we meet saw here in this episode Mm -hmm. of clone wars is he's already kind of sent Jin on her way right because don't forget she was part of his life for a while yeah. And the saw that Lyra and Galen send Jin to is not this saw, I don't think. They would not no. send her to some extreme radical. I mean, I think he's always been going that way. And you can almost wonder if Jin, the, the way he like kind of lights up when he sees her, mm-hmm. um, there is, there's such a level of emotion between those two characters. That's I love that scene in the film. Yeah. Um, that you can almost wonder if she was somewhat of a grounding force like Stila was for him. I, right? I, I do think I think that Jin was a was a surrogate for Stila because um, he needed that that stability in his life. And when he sends her away, it's one of the things that may have sort of sent him further down the path. Right, making yeah. that decision, abandoning her the way that he did. You can tell that he's conflicted by that decision that he believes it was the right thing to do but he hates that he had to do it right Right. for sure yeah that's the one moment where i really like yeah 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 you you kind of feel for him set her away because yeah they wanted to use her as a tool and like saw would not have that and i think that's really commendable of him anyway cool yeah uh is it me I think it's me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Above Geonosis, an Imperial light cruiser arrives. The Imperial captain, uh, Captain Brunson, thinks the proximity alert was triggered by a meteor and orders her crew to do a quick scan. One of her crew informs the captain that they are picking up life readings on Geonosis. The captain orders her crew to deploy a recon patrol of TIE bombers to the planet. Meanwhile, Sabine and Zeb are loading the deflector core aboard the Ghost when Hera tells them she needs them on the bridge. She reports the Imperial light cruiser approaching the system. Unable to reach Kanan and Ezra's comlinks, Zeb offers to go into the cave and find them. Hera tells them not to stray too far and sends Sabine to finish storing the deflector core. Uh, so go, go ahead, we'll finish yeah. this to, to the yeah, next clip. Okay. Uh, back underground, Click Clack leads the rebels into his dwelling place, which doubles as a workshop and generator. Rex finds a working transmitter and tries to strengthen its signal. Click Clack tries to stop Saw from rummaging through his place and keeps drawing circles on the ground. Saw distrusts Click Clack -clack due to the death of his team. Click Clack then reveals a golden orb to Ezra. Rex recognizes it as a queen egg and Kanan thinks it could be the last Geonosian queen left. Hera tells Kanan that the Empire has arrived and they have to leave. Zeb heads back to the ghosts. Saw wants to take the Geonosian for interrogation, but Ezra counters that they need to protect the queen's egg. Kanan and Rex agree. When Saw expresses his dislike for the Geonosians, Rex reiterates that his mission was to find out what happened to, to them 
in the first place. Ezra adds that if the egg is the last chance to protect Click Clack's people, then they have to help. With Saw unwilling to back down, Kanan proposes a compromise that they bring Click Clack to Chopper Base to question him and then return him and the egg to Geonosis. Came and collapsed. We'll have to find another way out. What about that giant chasm we crossed? It goes to the surface. Maybe we can find a way up. This thing comes with us for interrogation. Well, then who will protect the egg? If it is a queen, then it's vital to the survival of his whole race. Whatever that thing knows is vital to our survival. Ezra's right. They don't deserve extinction. The mission takes priority. Saul, we had this argument back at command. Your mission was to find out what happened here. And I'm going to make this bug tell me exactly that. No. If that egg is the last chance to save his people, then we have to help him protect it. I know some people in this rebellion don't want to admit it, but we are in a war, and war is loss. Okay, but we're taking Click Clack and the egg to our base. After we question him, we'll bring him home. Agreed. Kanan, what's your position? We're heading back to the central air shaft. So the, the egg is kind of the thing that throws a wrench in the works, right? If if it were just click clack, I think that they could just, you know, like, okay, let's peace out of here, right? Uh, I, we don't really know what happened, but it's okay. We don't really need to. Um, but then this Geonosian egg kind of kind of muddies the waters of it because now it's like, well, Saw is really intent on finding out what happens or what happened, but um, he's he's sort of putting the this this uh, Geonosian and the entire species in danger. So that sort of prompts Ezra to defend Click Clack even more, right? Because now, now you're not just talking about an individual, but an entire species um, that you would be be compromising. And I, I, that that's sort of a larger thing. And 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 again, Kanan and Rex are like, yeah, like Ezra's right. This is not a small thing. Like you can't just you can't just deny an entire species, right? That's that's what the Empire would do. That's what the Empire has done. Like that's what they just didn't finish the job. That's all. Um, here's an opportunity to undo something that the empire did but but saw is so single-minded in discovering what the empire is up to and for good reason because you know we know what the empire is up to we we this this thing of of click clack drawing the two circles it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny thing in the episode but it's also a little bit frustrating because we know what he's drawing but none of the ghosts like no you have to remember that nobody else knows the death star exists right and this is not the first clue that they've gotten about the death star if you i think it's back in season one they're they're or maybe it's in season two i can't remember but they're stopping those shipments of kyber crystals it's like at the beginning of an episode it's kind of throwaway they blow up that shuttle and the shuttle explodes like that transport shuttle and it explodes in this brilliant green light because that transport shuttle was full of kyber crystals that were going to the death star so like they've been on the trail of the death star 
since the beginning of this series, really, because the other thing that's going on in, in sort of the meta story of Star Wars Rebels is that the reason why the Empire is on Lothal is for the natural resources that they need in order to build the Death Star. It, that's one of the reasons why they're there. Well, like they, They're using it to manufacture both weapons uh, and, and sort of vehicles and that sort of thing, but they're also shipping stuff off-planet in order to build the Death Star. That's one of the reasons why Tarkin is involved, right? And why it's such a big deal and why Tarkin shows up and Vader shows up and, and all that sort of thing. And the fact that it converges with, with a, you know, a Jedi and a, and a Padawan meeting for the first time, that's, you know, that I, I sort of um, I Star Wars-y I, I crossing of paths, right? It's all, everything's sort of... Um, I'm, the word's falling out of my head, but it's I, I, oh my God, I clearly need more sleep, but it's coincidence. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's coincidence, but, but it's also not because it's the force working, right? That, that the Death Star, uh, that it, it's, it's story crosses path with this, the, the one of the few remaining Jedi, right? Uh, yeah. uh it's all kind of connected, but uh, but but even with all of these connections and all of this information that's sort of just outside of the reach of our heroes at every turn, they still have no idea what the Death Star is, and not even Saw realizes what they're on the trail of. But they are clearly on the trail of the Death Star. That's what they're trying to find. They just don't know it yet. Right. Um, and well, at the beginning of at the beginning of of uh, Rogue One, I. Uh, I believe Saw knows. I believe that like he he has a pretty good idea that the Empire is building a super weapon, right? He doesn't know the the specific nature of it, but the fact that that um, he's connected to Galen or so in the way that he is, and and that Galen sends Bodhi to Saw is is sort of the evidence that Saw kind of knows that the empire is up to this and that's why and and he might even have an idea of it already he just doesn't know the specifics in order to tell the others right um i don't know i guess i really do need to to finish catalyst so that i can because i there's some stuff that connects to saw in that book isn't there um he's in it a little bit there's not a lot okay not a lot um but uh something i want to mention real quick um is that scene where saw is rummaging through click clack stuff it bothers me like and, and i think they did a really good job with that like i feel bad for click clack yeah. like it's like dude get out of his stuff like he's just like invading his privacy yeah for no reason yeah um and uh I, I think it's great when he does draw the two circles in the ground like it's clearly the death star yeah um one of my one of my favorite books and movies of all time is The Last of the Mohegans. I really hope we get a standalone movie about the last of the Geonosians. It'll be Click Clack. <laughs> Tale of Click Clack. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, cool. Uh, here we go. Zeb runs back to the ghost just as two TIE bombers begin strafing the ship. Hera tells Sabine to activate the shields. The bombers transmit a holographic image of the ghost back to the light cruiser. After the crew recognizes the ship as belonging to Phoenix Squadron, Captain Brunson orders them to destroy the ship to advance their careers. The ghost takes off with Zeb and Sabine exchanging fire with the bombers, shooting them both down. Kanan tells Hera to pick them up at the central air shaft. Chopper leads the rebels out through the tunnels, but Klu-Klak proposes a shortcut. Saw insists in following the droid. 
uh, back in space, the officers inform Captain Brunson that the rebels have destroyed their bombers. Brunson tells them to pinpoint their last known location and pursue the rebels. She suspects the rebels have fled underground. So you go ahead and continue. Sure. The rebels, along with Click Clack, rendezvous with the ghost, which has flown into the depths of the shaft. The rebels board the ship, Saw and Hera exchange pleasantries while Ezra introduces Click Clack in the egg. When Hera and Saw and Click Clack... Wow, that sentence... Oh, sorry. When, when Hera asks Saw and Click Clack what they want, Saw says he wants to interrogate Click Clack about what the Empire is doing on Geonosis. Ezra explains that Click Clack wants to stay and take him deeper into the planet. Saw won't have it, and Kanan responds that they had an agreement to take Click Clack back to Chopper Base for questioning. Hera has a private word with Kanan and warns him to be careful with Saw, who has a reputation for being extreme. He can't blame him considering his past. The two then overhear Ezra telling Saw to leave Click Clack alone. Hera stops Saw from torturing Click Clack with an electroshock transmitter. When Saw says that he wants to leave with Click Clack on the Phantom, Sabine tells him that he is not going anywhere because they had a deal. So this is, a, this is where we really start to see Saw's true colors, that he will go to great lengths to get what he wants, uh, what, what he thinks he needs, right? Um, and he's, he is willing to, uh, to hurt Click Clack, to torture Click Clack, in order to get the information that he needs. Um, and, and he's willing to betray his, the, these, these rebels who showed up to rescue him. Right? Like, that's one of the things that they never really get into. But the fact that, like, Hera's crew, like, the ghost crew is there specifically as, like, a, 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 like a search and rescue operation. And, and Saw is the last one left. And they rescued him. They, they, they even found Click Clack, right? Like, they did what Saw's team was unable to do. And here's Saw betraying them. And basically saying, like, I don't care about the rest of the Rebel Alliance. I don't care what your orders are. I don't care if you outrank me. I'm taking this Geonosian and I'm getting my information. Um, and and worst of all, he wants to take the Phantom 2, which I will not stand for. I will not allow that. <laughs> uh, uh, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah. The, the only thing that bothered me during that particular scene, when he is basically torturing Click Clack... Is and what actually kind of surprised me is I was actually kind of expecting Ezra to like like use some sort of dark force power on Saw, mm. right? Like because they do get physical for a moment, and even even Rex like goes to subdue him and he flips Rex over his shoulders, right? Yeah. I mean Saw is very violent, and uh, I just I wish they they had stepped up um, to kind of like subdue him a bit, but. Um, I don't know, maybe that would have just enraged him more, but yeah, yeah. I mean this this is definitely the moment where you see just how extreme saw really is and he there is no you know there's nowhere he won't go for it and it's very clear like why he has his own separate cell by the time we get to rogue yes. one um yes. and i love that moment when mon mothma turns to general craven and says his you know his tactics have made a great many problems for the alliance like the yeah. way she looks at him you know it's like yep there's a history there <laughs> and sure. we're getting a glimpse of that here yeah. totally uh, so cool. Let's move uh, on. Yeah, uh, it's it's me, right? Yeah. Uh, when Cannon reiterates that they will question him at Chopper Base, Saw accuses him of being soft and says they lost the war because of the Jedi. When Saw shocks Click Clack again, Ezra lunges at him, but Saw throws him off. Rex then restrains Saw, reminding them that he is not in command here. However, Saw fights back and points his blaster at the Geonosian Queen Egg, saying that he has no choice. 
As the Imperial Light Cruiser approaches the Geonosian air shaft, the crew informs Captain Brunson that the Ghost has entered an underground air passage. Meanwhile, the Rebels argue with Saw, who is threatening to destroy the egg in order to get information from Click Clack. Ezra warns him that destroying the egg will only help the Empire to exterminate the last Geonosians. When Saw claims not to care, Rex replies that he should know, uh, he should know what it is like to lose family. Saw replies that he lost his sister to the Separatists and his planet to the Empire. He's willing to do anything to gain victory, but Rezra reiterates that he would be no better than the Empire. Um, sorry, you can go ahead and continue. We kind of talked about that already. Go ahead and yeah. continue. Chopper alerts the team that the Empire has found them. When Saw say, says they have to leave, Ezra replies that they can't take Clicklack because he belongs on Geonosis. They can't let the Empire capture them, but the cruiser is blocking their escape. The Imperials deploy a squad of jump troopers to board the Ghost. Saw agrees to help the Lothal rebels re repel the borders in order to buy time, returning the egg to Clicklack. The plan is to go down deeper into the depths of Geonosis. Ezra, Kanan, Rex, Zeb, and Saw exchange fire with the jump troopers from atop the Ghost as it descends into the shaft. A few of the jump troopers land and the rebels fight them hand to hand. Rex uses the turret cannon to blast several of the troopers. As the ghost descends further underground, the remaining jump troopers hurl detonators, but Saw kicks them off. Ezra uses the force to hurl other detonators into the sky. Sabine then flies out of the ghost with her jetpack and takes on a pair of rocket troopers who have set up a position on a cliff. She uses her grenades to kill the troopers. When Sabine returns to the ghost, Ezra tells her that he wants a jetpack. Um, I just have to point out the, that the art, the, the repaint on, on Sabine's jetpack is awesome. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure it'll make its way to action figures at some point, but it's just, it's kind of cool. If you, if you go on starwars.com, you can see it. Um, and I think the trivia gallery or whatever it's, you can see that it's kind of got like these wings on it. It's, it's hard to see in the, in the actual episode itself because everything's moving so fast, but, uh, but it's a really cool, really cool piece of art. Um, and, of course, this is all just action, so there's not really much to say about it. I'll continue. Uh, below, Saw asks how much farther it goes. Sabine says not much farther and that Chopper is picking up something. When Saw remarks that they are risking their lives by spending more time down there, Hera tells him to trust Click Clack. After reaching the bottom of the shaft, the Rebels and Saw disembark and find several canisters. Sabine recognizes them as belonging to the Imperial Weapons Division. Rex then points out that the Empire exterminated the Geonosians with these chemical weapons. Uh, I'll continue. Uh, realizing his error in judgment, Saw frees the Geonosian and tells the rebels that those canisters are all the proof they need to convince the Imperial Senate that the Empire wiped out all the people of Geonosis. Under, under Hera's orders, the rebels load some of the canisters as proof for the Senate. Meanwhile, Captain Brunson's crew informs her that the rebels must have descended deeper into the planet. She orders the crew to collapse the Geonosian structure on top of them in an attempt to bury them alive. The light cruiser bombards the air shaft, causing it to collapse. The rebels and Saw flee aboard the Ghost and find their way out of the shaft. The rebels fire everything they have, including proton bombs, to blast through the light cruiser, losing the canisters in the process. Brunson survives, but her light cruiser is badly damaged. Um, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna finish this out sure. and then just yep. say a few things. Um, after escaping into space, Hera, Kane, and Ezra and Saw informed Senator Organa and Commander Sato that the Empire exterminated the Geonosians in order to conceal some unknown project. Hera informs her superiors that they were all able to recover, were, all they were able to recover were images of the canisters used by the Empire to poison the Geonosians. While the images are frightening, Bale says that they would not be enough to sway the Imperial Senate. However, he believes that they can be used to sway more systems to the rebel cause. 
Saw cautions them that they still do not know what the Empire was building on Geonosis. Kanan reassures that they will find out soon. Unfortunately, all we were able to recover were images of the poison canisters used by the Empire against the Geonosians. The images are frightening, but will not be enough to convince the Senate of the Empire's atrocities. They may, however, help us recruit more systems to our cause. Your intel concerning these matters, acquisition of a shield core, and the rescue of Saw Gerrera makes the mission a profound success. Well done. We also gave Click Clack and his race a fighting chance for survival. We still don't know what the Empire was building on Geonosis. Maybe not, but they can't keep it hidden forever. We'll deal with it. I just hope it won't be too late. You're welcome. Ezra, you're gonna find not all of our allies share the same values or even fight the Empire for the same reason we do. I've also got my issues with Saw, Ezra, but in the end, he proved he's not the Empire. And for now, that will have to do. Um, so, because uh, I got to go pretty shortly, so I want to yeah, say yeah. a few things um, before I do. First off, I, a little bit earlier before Saw, like, sees the canisters, I think the one point where Saw does get a sense of empathy and compassion for click clack is when Ezra says to him you'll take away his family mm-hmm. right like he knows that that's going to click for saw because that's what saw lost and i think just for that brief moment like saw does see that and that's when he does hand back the egg i think that's the first point for him that he starts to see click clack as a person yeah um but then of course seeing the canisters solidifies that and you know he is and that's that is something that is, you know, I don't really like Saw, but it is commendable that he's able to see that he was wrong. And he, in a way, he fesses up to that mm-hmm. by, you know, certainly taking no issue with Click Clack staying behind. Um, but what I think is really neat in uh, this portion, again, when they then contact uh, Senator Organa and Commander Sato is, you know, they were they really wanted to take those canisters back as proof to the Senate of what the empire's military is up to. And I think this is something we even still got a piece of in Rogue One mm-hmm. is when, you know, Tarkin makes it clear to Krennic that, you know, there if if this the Senate gets wind of what they're doing, systems are going to flock to the rebellion. So even though the empire is has this iron fist over the galaxy even yeah. at the point of Rogue One, there is still some level of fear among the empire that, you know, what they're up to could create a lot of enemies for them. Yeah, they still have to deal with the bureaucracy a little bit. And and it that all leads to the moment in A New Hope when Tarkin says, you know, they the we the Empire the Emperor has dissolved the Senate for good, right? Like that we don't have to worry about the Senate anymore and we're you know, it's it's not a problem. Now we can use the Death Star wherever we want. And then soon after they do. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we've kind of talked everything through. I think that's everything for, uh, the recap. Uh, Carl, can you, can you stick around for like maybe, maybe one of these emails? Uh, we don't need to read all of them, but, uh, uh, or do you need to go? Um, I really got to get going. You got to get going. Okay. Uh, well then before you go, I, I obviously thank you for, for filling in for Matt. Um, uh, and, uh, where can people find you? Sure. Um, they can find me on the streets of Boston. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can. So um, just walk up to people and say, "Are you Carl?" 
Yeah, yeah, it'll be really, uh, yeah, like track me down. There's like, not that up. many people in Boston, right? It's right. a small town. Um, no, you can, uh, so I, I co-host, uh, a Star Wars podcast, the Womp is Lair with my friend Jason, who has been on this segment several times. I think he does the intro for your show too, right? Uh, he does, he does the, the, yeah, the opening, the opening, yeah. uh, music or whatever. It's, it's so yeah, you can, you can find the Womp is Lair podcast. You can find us in the iTunes store. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Womp is Lair podcast. We have a Twitter, twitter.com slash Womp is Lair. Um, so definitely check us out. Um, you know, we talk kind of everything Star Wars. We are not, we we seldom touch on Rebels. Um, occasionally, when there's something big and exciting that happens, we certainly touch on it. But uh, we've been talking a lot of Rogue One lately. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're doing an episode this week, though, with Steve Gloss, and we're going to talk about Star Wars rooms and, you Ooh. know, like why we have them and what's in them. So Ooh, we just try to, like, can't t- tackle all sorts of things. We don't yeah. have a specific agenda. Um, so we have a freedom that you don't have, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I, yeah, Matt and I are definitely, we are a niche podcast. We have yes. a very specific audience. It yes. works for us and against us sometimes, but, uh, but that's the, that's what we decided to do. So that's where we are. That's, that's our territory. Well, uh, it's a good niche to be in cause there's tons of people that love it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Cool. Well, um, I, like I said before, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for, for filling in for Matt. I'm sure he appreciates it as much as I do. And uh, uh, let's uh, come come back soon. Don't don't take too long. Don't be a stranger. Well, I will. Thanks. Yeah, it was good to be on. Thanks a lot, Mike. Cool. Talk soon. Yeah. What message? The Rebels Podcast. No, that's a country club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. All right. Uh, I'm all by my lonesome now, uh, so uh, I guess I have all the time in the world to read all these emails. So let's let's jump into them. Uh, my first time podcasting by myself on one of these Star Wars podcasts in a very long time. Uh, but uh, that's okay because I got you guys to keep me company. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more Star Wars, some Rogue One and some Star Wars Rebels. Uh, this is from Bob Willicky, uh, frequent uh, uh, writer in her. Uh, <laughs> Bob says, potential spoilers for Rogue One. Uh, hey guys, sorry I missed the cutoff for posting on your last podcast, which was as awesome as ever. Although, did someone say something about getting fired up? Seriously, just came out of the theater after seeing Rogue One and thought it was amazing. What surprised me most is I didn't think I'd care about the characters at the level that I did, but in the end, I was as moved, if not more so, uh, after any Star Wars movie as I've ever been. Uh, I could go on about so many things I liked about it, but as Rebels fans, we have to talk about namely General Sindula's name clearly heard over the loudspeaker asking her to report in. This is huge. Thoughts? So I'm going to jump right from that into Kimberly Ross's email. She says, Hey y'all, I'm wondering if you caught any Rebels Easter eggs in Rogue One. Happy opening weekend. I hope you all loved it. I certainly did. And that's from, uh, oh, I guess Kimmy is is, uh, is what she goes by. So, um, yeah, uh, I Rogue One Easter eggs. Uh, the most obvious is General Sindula being called over the, the PA uh, in, in the Masasi Temple on the Rebel base on Yavin, um, which is the, a very clear indicator. And it's been confirmed by Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo that is Hera Sindula. It's not Cham Sindula. It is General Hera Syndulla, so she's going to move up a, uh, in the ranks of the of the Rebel Alliance before the end of the series, uh, hopefully. But um, 
Uh, the ghost is also very clearly visible in the top left corner uh, in the shot where they're first going out to the U-Wing after they, they leave the, you know, after Jin gets sort of the uh, addressed by the, by, um, by Mon Mothma and the, the, that uh, general guy. I don't, I can't remember his name. But uh, when, when Cassian and Jin are heading out to the, to the U-Wing uh, before they head to uh, Jeddah, uh, in the top left corner, you can actually see the ghost docked there, um, which is which is really cool. I I didn't see it on my first viewing, but after sort of reading the Easter eggs and then going to my second viewing, I definitely saw it, and it looks great in live action. Um, one uh, the ghost shows up in the the space battle at the end of the movie as well. We talked about that already on on previous episodes of Rebels podcast because we saw that in um, in the trailers. Um, couple of the tv spots i it's actually featured in three different shots in in the space battle but uh, it's very unclear whether or not the ghost makes it out at the end of that space battle or whether or not it's caught and captured like some of the other ships we're definitely in rogue one spoiler territory if that wasn't clear um so you know if you haven't seen rogue one by now i don't know why you're listening to this podcast you need to go see rogue one um but uh, uh you know it's been it's been, it's the ninth it's actually been almost a a, a month so uh, i think you've had enough time but um i i one other easter egg is chopper um in the scene when the the rebel comms officer comes running out to mon mothma uh, chopper actually rolls by in the background um which is really cool um and i and i believe if you pay attention to the rebels recon from this week um it's it's indicated that that chopper that's in the movie is the same chopper that's in the rebels recons um i have yet to get confirmation on that i think i, I actually i think i tweeted it at pablo at pablo hidalgo to find out if it was um so you could go on my twitter and go back and you could re retweet that or heart it it'll like it or whatever reply to it and maybe he'll answer um but uh, uh my twitter being arkwolf a-r-k-w-l-f um and then i i there's one more isn't there i think i'm forgetting one but um but i i oh um apparently pow the the uh the alien with the with the big mouthful of sharp teeth uh he uh, the sort of a blue guy with the the skull cap um that leads part of the rebels on scarif uh apparently when he sees the walkers he yells carabast but it's really hard to tell um uh, i even on my second viewing when i was listening for it i didn't quite hear it but obviously that's a that's a reference to zeb um and uh, and his common phrase of carabast so it's cool that that makes it in it was cool how much rebel stuff there actually was in rogue one and that's probably not probably that is my favorite thing about rogue one is how much star wars rebels um actually influenced the movie um and and made its way sort of weaseled its way in there um so that was really cool all right so thank you uh to bob and kimmy for for those emails right after you guys saw rogue one um i'm glad that you guys enjoyed it you know i'm kind of i'm coming around to it and i think after a couple more viewings i'll be a little bit more more up on it if you guys have been following me on social media you might have seen that like i'm kind of dealing with the fact that i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of it um i think it's a great movie i don't think it's a bad movie um i do think it has some problems 
and you can hear me talk more about that on the on the Thunderquack podcast, uh, the the spoiler cast that Matt and I did uh, over at patreoncom Thunderquack. One dollar gets you access to that episode and every past episode of the Thunderquack podcast that we've done before. So well worth the the dollar a month, I think, um, to to get that. But uh, but uh, definitely definitely go check that out. Um, if you want to hear more in depth about what I think about Rogue One, but I'm still, you know, it's kind of like all Star Wars reviews. It's kind of evolving. You got to kind of live with it for a little bit. Um, it wasn't until a couple months later that I really realized how much I love The Force Awakens, and and was prepared to say that it is my favorite Star Wars movie because it absolutely is. It is my favorite Star Wars movie, and aside from Obi Wan Kenobi, I think it has some of my favorite characters. Uh, in all of Star Wars, and that's a really, that's a really controversial thing to say, I think. But um, I mean, obviously Han Solo is in it, but but uh, man, I, I'm just connected to those characters in a really interesting way, and I, I don't, I'm interested to see what'll happen with Episode Eight when that comes out. Um, but I just, I'm not as connected to the characters in Rogue One, and I think that that's my biggest issue. So, so I'm happy that everybody else is really enjoying it. I'm happy that that everybody is having lots of fun speculating on stuff, and I'm definitely in there with that stuff. Um, but, but as far as you know, the first two thirds of the movie are concerned, eh, I could take it or leave it. That last forty minutes, though, whew, oh boy, I could watch that on a continuous loop because it's so so good. But. Um, Let's get back to talking some Star Wars Rebels. And uh, we got an email or a message from Joe Martin. Uh, and Joe says, The episodes this week with Saw were good, but small gripe. Where is Maul? He now knows where Kenobi is. Shouldn't he go straight there? He's been to Tatooine before, so he wouldn't even have to look it up on Star Wars Google Maps to find it. Uh, while Ezra and the gang are hanging out with Saw and chilling on Geonosis, Kenobi and Maul should already be fighting. So I kind of talked about it earlier. Um, I think that Maul has to come up with a plan. I don't think... Maul, if you pay attention to the way that he acted in Clone Wars, um, he never went straight for Kenobi. He he would often do things to draw Obi-Wan Kenobi out, to, to draw him to him, right? Um, their first encounter after the Phantom Menace being on that, that planet where, where Maul basically murders the inhabitants of that village in order to draw Obi-Wan Kenobi out. And and that's exactly what happens. Um, so I think something similar could happen here. I think that might be the case. Uh, so I don't know. I, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure. I am sure that there's a reason. So uh, I trust Dave Filoni. I trust the writers uh, in this respect that they've got it figured out and that they you know, Maul has a plan. He's he's smarter than just going at Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, there's there's a there's something cooking there. So we'll find out. It all will be revealed soon enough, I'm sure. But uh, but you know, I I had the same question, Joe, and then I sort of sat and thought about it, and was like, ah, I think I think that 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 it'll be addressed. I think that that it'll all make sense. Um, when we get there and we don't really know how much time passes between episodes so between now and the end of the season might be a couple months for us it could only be a couple weeks for the characters right um, depending on how quickly things sort of play out and uh, and whether or not some of the storylines that are coming up happen concurrently alongside each other or if they happen in sequence so that's one thing to to think about 
um, and uh, and we'll 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 figure that out um, as it gets closer. I'm sure. I uh, cool. Well, I that just about does it. But uh, before before we finish up, uh, let's talk about the next episode of Star Wars Rebels uh, titled Warhead. Here's the description: Zeb and Chopper bring a damaged droid found in the Atalon wilderness back to base, only to discover that the droid is a new Imperial probe programmed to spy on and destroy rebels. Here's a clip. So, unfortunately, Joe, I think you're looking at another episode that will not be focusing on what's going on with Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be a long wait. It's going to be the end of the season, I'm pretty sure. But uh, in between, I think we're going to get some interesting stuff. So, I, I, yeah, it, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and you know what? Actually, who knows? Maybe the Obi-Wan stuff won't be the end of the season. That might be... Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn stuff but uh, um, time's going to tell on that but next week we do know that it's going to be this one off episode um, but this is sort of leading towards uh, uh, what's hinted at in the trailer which is the Imperials discovering Chopper Base and so the the, uh, the Rebels are going to have to flee at some point um, uh, in the future so, so uh, look forward to that uh, but uh, that does it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening as always uh, you can follow us uh, or you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com Tim does a great job of keeping you guys up to date with everything you need to know you can also follow us online at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast on twitter at rebelspodcast uh, and uh, I no that's it Twitter at Rebels Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can follow Matt. Uh, he's at the Crankster. That is Crankster with a K. Um, and of course, we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Check out more great podcasts by heading to thunderquack.com uh, uh, where you can find everything Star Wars The Saga Continues, Talking Time Lords, The Double X Files. we got some great new podcasts coming up uh, later on this year. So uh, one of them coming very soon. So uh, stay tuned for that um, uh, by heading to thunderquack.com and following us on Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and of course, if you if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by heading to uh, store.thunderquack.com and uh, and purchasing some merch. Uh, we got some cool stuff. Still working on some new new designs but we got that Kanan design up there and uh, and people seem to be really happy with that so uh, you can get that you can get the Phoenix um, from season 2 that one that's sort of like rising out of the, the starburst um, and I, I'm, I'm working on some new stuff I'm working on some new stuff so so uh, check out store.thunderquack.com keep it in your favorites sign up for the newsletters from Redbubble because that's the, the company that we do our store through they do all sorts of, of uh, uh, sales 
all the time, but they are usually like 24 hour sales. So you got to kind of stay, stay current with their, with their promotions and they change the promotion codes every time. So I, so I implore you to do that and pick up some cool merch. Um, and of course, if you want to support Thunderquack and all of the great podcasts that we produce, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack. You kick in a monthly amount uh, to support us, and uh, in return you can get some cool some cool rewards, uh, like the Thunderquack podcast that I mentioned earlier, the last episode of which being a, a Rogue One spoiler cast with Matt and I. So um, if that's something that you are interested in, head to patreon.com slash thunderquack. We appreciate the support of everybody who does that. Uh, we couldn't make these podcasts without you, so thank you for that. Um, with that, uh, that, that is, uh, the episode for this week. Uh, welcome back from the break. Uh, and, uh, here's to, uh, full steam ahead, powering through the rest of season three of star Wars rebels, but we'll be back next week with the episode warhead. Thanks for listening.